listening to Best Served Cold, a Born Millennials podcast. The Australian true crime podcast where we drink wine and talk about crime. Formerly Egypt's 36th most popular true crime podcast, hosted by Tama J and Laura Lees. Sit down, relax, grab a drink and enjoy this week's episode. Great. Hey. Another week, another episode. How are we doing out there tonight? What's going on, fam bam? Uh-huh. Thank you, man. I am not feeling good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, in oh. case you can't tell or in case you haven't watched it, we just finished watching... Bo Burnham's new special, Inside, mm-hmm. deeply disturbing. It's all not so sure how I feel about it. All over TikTok, so I'm sure you've heard it somewhat. Mm. Uh, welcome back to another week of Best Served Cold, the true crime podcast where we drink wine and talk about crime. I'm one of your co-hosts, Laura Elise, and as I watched Bo Burnham's special, I couldn't help but wonder: Is he okay? <laughs> And I am Tamatoa. The demons told me to tell you to give us a five-star review on Hey, Apple. nice little plug. Boom, 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 boom. Uh, welcome to another week. Yes. Uh, if you're new around here, uh, we do a few disclaimers at the start of the show. The first being that we do swear a lot in this show. So if you are someone who doesn't like the swear words, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! No, I'm kidding. But if Damn. you're not someone who, if you're someone who doesn't like swearing, this is probably not the show yeah, for you. Yeah, you should all, probably not click on a podcast about murders and rapes and it's whatnot. Marked explicit. Yeah, that was probably your first warning. That's your best bet, brother. Welcome back to another week, though. Uh, if you want to follow, I'm just going to get housekeeping out of the way because I always forget it. If you want to follow us on social media, you can check us out at, at the BSC Podcast. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Maybe TikTok one of these days. If one of us can be bothered to start a TikTok, we'll let you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's kind of... Yeah. As usual, we'd love it if you can share this episode with your friends on your social media platforms. Um, if you haven't already, chuck us a five-star review on Apple. I know people harp on about this all the time, but it does genuinely help yeah, in terms of downloads and for that sure. sort of stuff. We need it for our own vanity as well. Yeah, well, no, I mean, yes and no. We haven't been checking them. We've been no. trying not to check yeah, them. Yeah, we try not to check them because it deeply depresses us, but yeah. we don't. We won't go, we go into we that. We won't go into that. No, that's a... Uh, how are you doing this week, Tama? I am not okay. <laughs> I, um, I'm struggling a bit this week, mm. but... For those of you who are in America, um, you'll probably laugh at this, but we currently have... 18 COVID cases in Sydney, so we are on complete lockdown and not allowed to leave our homes. Yeah, so um, it's a bit it, it's a bit crazy here at the moment. Um, we we kind of went so long without having any cases and without having any lockdowns, and now we're back in lockdown, and it's yeah. a bit insane. So this is week two, and we're both kind of going slightly yeah, but insane. Like, crazy. I'm genuinely like, what what day is it? Yeah, the days no, and hours. I'm actually asking just, you what day it is. It is Wednesday. Tuesday. <laughs> See, go. yeah. I crazy. thought it was Monday. No. No idea. No. Yeah, so that's kind of basically, that sums it up. Yeah, how are you? Well. are you? I'm okay. I feel like I'm going a little stir crazy. I just miss our friends People. and our little crew. It kind of has sucked not being able to see Yeah, them. and we hope all you guys are doing okay throughout all this. It's the weirdest time to be existing Right now, mm. like it's, it's a very weird time, and it's such a crazy thing that, like, crazy that this, this is global, and it's a and it's a real time in history. Like we're experiencing something right now that will be remembered forever. 
Mm, It's insane. I feel like our generation has been through so many of those fucking, like the 2008 GFC. Columbine, 9-11. Columbine, 9-11, COVID. I'm like, it's gotten to the point where the shock value, like, doesn't doesn't do it for me anymore. I've been been through enough lifetime events for one lifetime. Thank you very much. At least we have memes to kind of help us through it. Memes. Or as my mum calls them, memes. Memes. (laughs) (laughs) She's oh, like, okay. I saw a really funny Mimi. She knows how to say it properly now. Yeah, but it's like people who it say it, Mimi. Um, gifs are pronounced gifs. Apparently they are. I know, but it's just like, I don't... I, I refuse to accept. I refuse it's to a hard do that. G, I'm sorry. Yeah. Look, when it comes to like pronouncing Mexican food or like Chinese food, like, yeah, for sure. Say it the right way. Like, that makes sense. But like, That's a cultural thing. Exactly. This isn't a cultural thing. This is a nerdy computer thing. So shut the fuck up. Mm, speaking of nerdy computer Go gif yourself. Know. Put my glasses on. Oh, damn. Nice. Put them on so I can see. Well, without further ado, let's just jump right jump into, into it. it. As um, Phil DeFranco would so yeah, calmly put it. I feel like I've just, I'm just going to preface this by saying, I feel like I've got a little burp sitting just underneath my diaphragm that like needs to come out. But okay. so if I go off mic and burp, I do apologize. Fair enough. There we go. It just came Nice. Out. Perfect. There we so go. this week I'm doing a story that I've always kind of been obsessed with. Um, so I'm doing John List, a.k.a. the Boogeyman of Westfield. Ooh. So this is a story that I tend to – there's two stories that I tend to get drunk and tell people about at parties. Right. Which is Sylvia Likens, which I will never cover on the show because it's insane, horrifying. Terrible, yeah. And John List, which is still horrifying but not quite as – Depraved as the story of Sylvia Likens. So I find it fascinating for two reasons. One is I I always find um, familiar sides. So like, um, what's his, Chris Evans. No, that's not his name. Chris Watts. Chris Watts. Yeah. That's like familiar side where you, yeah, wrong Chris. (laughs) Um, Familiar side where you obviously are killing your your whole family, basically. So yeah, the I always entire find family, yeah. that concept really fascinating just because, like, what sort of person has to be like, that's my own The mental option. process of actually doing but that. But there is also a twist that I think is so ironic. I find it funny in such a twisted story, but I'm going to leave the twist right to the end. Right. So a quick story about John List because there really isn't much worth talking about. So he was born September 17th, 1925 in Michigan. He was the only child to John and Alma. Both his parents were devout Lutherans and John was also raised with the same beliefs, you know, going to church, mm-hmm. um, going to Sunday school. After graduating school, he enlisted in the army and during the height of the Korean War in 1950, he was officially like in, enlisted to, to go overseas or to, to be drafted into kind of like the major war effort. Yeah. So it's here where he meets his wife, Helen, and after only a year of dating, after which she pretends to be pregnant to try and talk him into uh, yes. being the devout Lutheran he is, he's like, well, I must be be wed, cannot have a child out of wedlock. Turns the out old, she wasn't pregnant. The old bastard. Turns out she wasn't pregnant. She was just Gotcha. Anyway, they get married and they move to California together. We're utilizing John's accounting skills uh, that he got from school. John continues to work for the army through their finance department. Life continues to treat him pretty well, despite Helen having developed uh, an alcohol abuse sort of illness. He moves from finance role to finance role, eventually taking the job as vice president of a bank in Jersey City, which is where they end up. That's not bad. Not bad at all. Done pretty well, yeah. 
So they have three children together and they kind of seem like the idyllic 60s all-American nuclear family. Nuclear family. However, it is later noted that after everything goes down, co-workers at the multiple different jobs John had had found him strange, off-putting and hard to get along with. So by this stage, him and his family are doing incredibly well. Obviously, he's got a very high-paying job and doing quite well for themselves. So they mm. purchase an enormous 19-room mansion called Breeze Knoll in Jersey City. Sheesh. John also, obviously, him and his family move in, and he also invites his mother, Alma, to live with them in this enormous house, which nice. has its own ballroom and an enormous uh, Tiffany skylight, which I looked up, and essentially they're these crazy, beautiful, stained glass, intricate skylight. Yeah. Real, realistically, you could live in the same house and never see each other for a week. With 19 rooms and only six people, yeah. Yeah, that's like having a whole hotel to yourself. Pretty much. And if The Shining has taught us anything, that's not a good idea. No, 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 no. Uh, so from the outside, they all appeared perfect. The family was affluent, devote to, sorry, devout to each other and to their faith, with John teaching Sunday school every weekend, happy children, happy wife, happy life. However, what outsiders and even John's family didn't know was that in 1971, he lost his affluent job as an accountant. He tried in vain to apply for other jobs within the finance sector, sort of getting roles and losing them very quickly. Mm. And obviously, pretty quickly, the bills start to mount up and he's got this huge financial problem that he's not telling anyone about. Right. Having been raised in a strict religious family, John was an incredibly proud man and refused to tell his family, seek help or go on welfare in any way. Good move. Each morning he would leave the house pretending to go to work dressed in a suit where he would most days just sit at the train station and read the newspaper. Wow. To keep the house afloat, he would secretly steal small amounts of money from his mother's bank accounts and he encouraged his children, his by then teenage children, to all get uh, part-time after-school jobs, which he... Uh, kind of pitch to them as this is part of your Lutheran strict, it'll teach you good work ethic, but he was actually just taking their money right. to try and keep the family afloat. Gotcha. So the debt is just like basically mounting and mounting and mounting. And on top of all of this, Helen had admitted to John that she'd contracted syphilis from her first husband and she's kept this a secret for years. Ooh. But her health is just getting worse and worse and worse. And as her health gets worse, her alcoholism also gets worse. Yeah, damn. So she begins to experience blackouts, vision issues, and instability, and she begins to self-medicate with more alcohol in addition to her prescription tranquilizers. Helen also stopped attending church. Oh, that is the last straw, Helen. John's children were also looking to move away from their devout Lutheran roots with his teenage daughter having mentioned to friends of the family that she was potentially interested in having a career as an actress, which obviously to John was just the work of Satan. Really? They don't Hollywood. like that? Oh. Well, Hollywood, the whole thing, it's all... Yeah, well, what a bitch. So taking into account their worsening financial situation as well as his morally corrupt family, in his words, John was unable to stomach the embarrassment that both these things bought him and saw his, in his mind, one way out. So on November 9th, 1971, his family awakes and begins their normal morning routine. Everyone gets ready. John gets dressed as if he's going to work. The children get ready, go off to school. Helen comes downstairs, makes her usual morning coffee and sits down in the kitchen to drink it. John takes a 9mm handgun and shoots her in the back of the head. He places her body inside a sleeping bag and drags it into the ballroom where he lays her on the ground. 
He then goes upstairs to his mother's quarters, which is in saying how big this house is, the fact that he's shot someone and his mother and has no, no one's idea. Heard it. She's yeah. upstairs doing her own thing. Crazy. He shoots her also in the head and attempts to also drag her downstairs, but because she's a a, a bigger lady, let's just say, he doesn't have the strength to physically move her. Right. So he places a towel over the top of her head and leaves her body where she fell upstairs. Liz then goes back downstairs and calmly begins to make phone calls while he waits for his children to come home. He calls the children's school and explains that the entire family would be relocating for some time to North Carolina to look after a sick family member. He advised the school that they wouldn't be back for several months, and he also does the same for any close family friends or acquaintances who he thought might sort of question their whereabouts. Right. Chris Watts did the same thing. Yeah. Crazy. So he also contacts any companies uh, where the family has subscriptions, so like their regular milk delivery. Obviously, this being the 70s, you yep. get a milkman brings. So course. he cancels that. He cancels any sort of mail magazine subscriptions they may have, uh, gets rid of all those. And while his dead wife lies in the room across from him, Liss makes himself some lunch and then drives to the nearby bank where he clears out any small <clears throat> remaining money he has as well as cleaning out his mother's bank accounts, completely draining them. By this stage, two of List's children, 16-year-old Patricia and 13-year-old Frederick, had come home from school. Patricia arrives first. List shoots her with the same 9mm, putting her body in a sleeping bag and placing her in the ballroom next to Helen. Frederick then suffers the same fate when he arrives home and is also placed in a sleeping bag in the ballroom. Now, the next sequence of events, I like to put these little disclaimers in because people lose their shit if you say things incorrectly. There's a few different places I've taken information from that list the next things in different order. So I've just put them in the order of events that makes the most sense to me because I yeah. can't seem to get a straight answer out of all these articles. Basically, if it's not correct, we don't shut the fuck up. I don't up. care. It doesn't matter. So List then sits down and writes a lengthy five-page letter to his local pastor explaining why he did what he did. He writes that he saw too much evil in the world and wanted to spare his family from this, stating the only way to save their souls was to kill them and return them to heaven. He also notes he believes that his children are close to renouncing their faith and had to do this before that happens. So he writes this letter and he leaves it on his study desk. Then in... A twist, like a kind of thing that I found pretty fucked up is he picks up his son, John Jr., and takes him to his local soccer game and just watches him play his soccer game. Weird. And then he bundles him back in the car and takes him home when he shoots him in the house. Weird. Weird. Autopsy reports show that uh, multiple wounds indicating that the first shot was a misfire and John Jr. had attempted to defend himself before the fatal shot was fired. Liss then takes John's body and lies it in the ballroom in the same fashion as the rest of the family. He then makes himself dinner, relaxes before retiring upstairs to bed where he sleeps the night with his entire family murdered downstairs. Jesus. The next morning he awakes and goes around the home cleaning as well as taking any family photos he can find and cutting himself out of them. Uh, Many suspect that this is in an effort to remove any sort of visual remembrance of what he looks like. So when the police do eventually find the bodies, they've got no photos of him to go off. He turns off the air conditioning in the home, turns on every single light in every room, puts on classical music and walks out the front door, never to be seen again. Whoa. Never. Maybe. Really? 
The bodies of the family take some time to be discovered, just over a month. The family was quite reclusive, so people, you know, the neighbours were used to not seeing them sort of come in and out a lot, so that wasn't entirely suspicious, compounded by the fact that John had told anyone who was close to them that they wouldn't be home, that they'd gone to North Carolina for months. Yeah. Neighbours are somewhat suspicious due to the fact that all the lights are on in the house, but there doesn't appear to be any activity. And they notice that rooms start to go dark as the bulbs in the light uh, go out. So eventually they call the police. Police officers enter the home through an unlocked window on December 7th and the bodies of the List family are found. Small town is understandably shocked and the crime gains nationwide attention because it was only uh, the Lindenberg baby that had really had similar levels of infamy in that area. So it's just not sort of an area where they have these big crimes. Kind of shook them up a bit. So a huge-scale manhunt is launched to try and find lists, but as he's destroyed most recent and reliable photos of himself and he's operating on a cash basis, he isn't found. His car is eventually found parked at JFK Airport, but no evidence of him actually boarding a flight can be found. List is missing for over... 18 years. Damn. So the FBI eventually figure out that List ditches his car at JFK Airport and travels by train from Jersey to Michigan and then further to Colorado, where he eventually settles in Denver in 1972, takes on the name of Robert Peter Clark. He joins another Lutheran church, remarries, and lives a completely normal life, again working as an accountant for 18 years. Oh, crazy. It's not until a completely unrelated man, John Walsh's son, is abducted and murdered, which eventually leads to List's discovery. Walsh's son was abducted from a supermarket and um, murdered, and the murderer was never found. It has at multiple times been attributed to different famous serial killers, such as Otis Toole and even Jeffrey Dahmer. Hmm, okay. However, Adam, his son, the death was ultimately never solved. It was this death that many suspect lead Walsh to launch America's Most Wanted, one of America's longest-running criminal television shows. When John Walsh heard of the List family murders, he wanted to use his show to try and bring List to justice. Knowing that he'd been missing for nearly two decades, Walsh had an aged bust of List constructed from one of the very little remaining photos they had, And on May 29th, 1989, an episode featuring the bust likeness of John List is aired on America's Most Wanted. Psychologists even theorize that it's highly likely List would be wearing the exact same uh, spectacles as he did in his heyday as kind of a narcissistic reminder of his time when he was successful. Of course. Amongst the 22 million households that watched that episode, Wanda Flannery and her daughter, Ava Mitchell, watched the episode and noticed the bust bears an uncanny resemblance to a man that used to live next door, Robert Peter Clark, right down to the glasses he wears. Wanda calls in a tip mentioning that her neighbor is also a Lutheran churchgoer and he bears a strong resemblance to the bust shown on the show. Police attend the home of Bob Clark, and after speaking with his wife, Dolores, John List is arrested after 18 years wow. of eluding capture. Crazy. Not even eluding capture. He just disappeared off the face of the planet. He had us. a whole new life in a different yeah. state. Crazy. The arrest occurs only nine days after the episode airs. Shit. 
During That's his, insane. Yeah, nine days. Not even two weeks from episode air Took to him Took 18 years, but they got him in nine days after an episode was yeah. aired. Crazy. See, this is why we're doing what we do. Yeah. We want to inspire that. So, during the trial, the defense argues that the murder was sparked from PTSD that John had picked up uh, from his service in Korea. However, this defense is dismissed and John List <laughs> is found guilty of murder and sentenced to five consecutive life sentences in prison where he eventually died of pneumonia at age 82 in 2008. Mm. Now, the twist at the end that always got me. So the list mansion remained empty for nine months after the murder, after which it was burned down from a potential uh, suspected arson attack, but no one was ever found. Destroyed along with the home was the Tiffany stained glass ceiling in the ballroom, the very room that list had left the bodies of his family. It was a signed original piece valued at the time of at least a minimum of $100,000 or in today's money, $620,000. That piece alone, had List Pride not got the better of him, would have completely absolved the family of all of their money troubles. Really? Holy shit. Just the skylight. Wow. Amazing. And I just found it so ironic that it was that skylight in the ballroom that he left his family's bodies beneath. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. And that is the story of John List. Amazing. I I, captured for 18 years. See, those ones where it's like the Golden State where they get away with it and then only to... This is the same thing with the Golden State. He had a whole new life or just had Mm. a whole life separate to what he was doing years prior well yeah i think i guess the thing with the golden state killer is they never knew it was him yeah like john list they knew it was him but they, just they, didn't know it, where they he just was. couldn't figure out where he was yeah crazy and it kind of like tells you how far we've come in technology and criminology that yeah you know that was like around the 80s i think it was that he was uh the murder occurred in the 70s, 70s and, and it was 1989 gotcha when the episode was aired. yeah insane that an episode of uh, like a, a show like that yeah. is what I will ultimately say in the Golden State, like a book written about the crimes post um, yeah, the author's and that death. Ultimately led to it. It's insane. It's very cool. I find little um. Ow. Oh, careful! Did you see my elbow? Yeah, Sorry, good job. <laughs> uh, I find stories like that where it's. But you even go so far as to say, like, obviously what happened to John Walsh's son was awful. Yeah. But then you think, would then the show not have happened and his passion for helping solve or or catch mm. killers? What would have happened? Yeah. yeah. Like, would John List have just never have been caught? Maybe. The same thing with this Golden State Killer. Mm. It's like if that book never came out, one person's obsession, kind of obsession to bring this person to justice. Yeah, crazy how that happens. But eighteen years, like Mm. that's nearly two decades of having completely murdered your family, and then imagine being that second family though. Mm. You grow up with your dad. Knowing, I don't know if he ever had more kids. Oh, he didn't just just remarried. He just got remarried. Well, that's insane. That's crazy. Still, to be that wife, Dolores. Mm. But yeah, imagine if you did have kids and you kind of grew up in like you were fifteen or something. 
Yeah. You find out the person you've known all your life as a dad is someone who's had a prior family who murdered them all. But that's the that that's the thing that kind of gets me is he was so narcissistic to believe that his because it goes so much further than the financial thing. It goes a lot deep into obviously his he had very deep rooted yeah. religious beliefs because that played a big part in why he murdered them. But that's so narcissistic to force your beliefs on someone to the point where you think you get to decide they need to die. Because he mm. obviously was very successfully disappeared. Mm. He could have done that. With them. With yeah. the family still. He could have just left. He could have yeah. just walked out and left. It sort of extends a bit more than just financial and religious. I think it's exactly what you said, like a narcissistic thing. Like that his he, family was a reflection of him. Or rather it was a, a burden on him or a stain on his perfect mm. image of himself. And he had to restart or absolve himself of those members yeah i always um get very shook with matricide uh it i could never picture or even fathom the idea of murdering my own mother Mm. that's i can't even imagine that yeah mother wife and three children yeah yeah you know what's weird though he kind of looks like um no, I can't remember his actual name. The Golden State Killer. Oh, really? A little bit. Oh, God. Imagine if they never caught... Maybe it's just an old white man thing. Maybe. Maybe it's an old white murderer man thing. They all have that kind of look in their eyes of, like, mm. they're psychotic. Yeah, but that is the story of, of John List. Great. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Laura, for that. It's one that I've always found... Um, Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to have a little break right here. We're going to go to the bathrooms, fill our water up a bit, and we'll come right back with my story. Woohoo! And we are back. Yes. Welcome back. We should just quickly mention in intermission, I keep forgetting, um... We we do have a segment that we try and do as often as we can called Six Degrees of Separation, which are basically uh, listener-submitted stories of people who, you know, their next door, they found out their next-door neighbour when they were six was a serial killer, like that sort of your brush with, with you know, a killer or a cult leader or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you have a story and you'd like to be featured on the show, p- please feel free to submit yeah. something because it's, it's really interesting hearing other people's yeah stories because obviously we sit behind mics and record these but it's very interesting hearing sort of firsthand stories of of things like that yeah we haven't had one for a while i mean i would love to have another yeah. one as, again we like having you guys involved in the show as well it's always a nice thing to sort of work with um people from around the world and hear stories i mean we've had people from colorado all over america mm. really that it's been um, a really fun segment to do. So we like to do more of it, obviously. So even if you've knew someone who had a dog groomer, who had a sister who met Jeffrey Dahmer, like that's fine. Just let us know. That could be a cool story. Never know. It's all about your delivery. <laughs> exactly. As if you are a good storyteller, it doesn't matter. 
Uh, so I am going to jump right into my story. And this one is kind of funny because we're doing that thing again where we accidentally sort of link up sort of themes. Oh, really? Yeah. There's a there's a bit of a escaping the law theme with Ooh, this episode. Okay. Um, this story is very sad and oh, we love that in- intense and gruesome. Oh, great. Yeah. That's, so, that's really great considering we just had some comments last week being like, it was really nice to hear a story where lots of people don't get brutally murdered. Sorry, apparently that was only one episode. Yeah. Well, I mean, let me preface this by saying there is a murder. There is a murder. It's not the worst murder, um, but there are a lot of weird things surrounding it. Mm. It's more sort of off-putting than it is like sad, I should say. Okay. But also sad because obviously someone died and that's... Well, really yeah, all these thing. stories yeah. are sad. There's, you can't we'd really like not... Pre- we'd like to preface Yeah, <laughs> we're not like completely... We we're not like judging... Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, you're... That's um, I, I think that meme I see all the time is hilarious where it's talking about imagine you die and then some white girl skips your episode on Case File because she thinks it's boring. <laughs> Fuck, that's the ultimate insult. <laughs> All right. Well, to start the story off, we are going to introduce a woman called Lindsay Hawker. She was born on the 30th of December, 1984, to parents Bill and Julia Hawker. She had a very happy childhood with two sisters, Louise and Lisa. Uh, She attended uh, the school King Henry VIII School in Coventry, England. Um, Very interesting named school. Uh, she At the end of college, she moved to the University of Leeds and uh, studied biology. At university, she did very well, and at 2006, she achieved a first-class honours grade. Before pursuing her master's degree, she decided to take a gap year in 2007 to travel the world. In October 2006, she signed up for Nova Teaching School and flew over to Japan. Nova is Japan's largest private English school. They recruit people from all over the world uh, to teach language in Osaka and Tokyo in Japan. Um, it's kind of like the most prestigious language school in okay. Japan, essentially, like the, the cream of the crop. Yeah. Lindsay was assigned to Koiwa, which is not too far from central Tokyo and Akihabara. Soon after, she moved east to a city called Chiba, which ha- with other two other students, um, who taught at Nova as well because the rent was a bit cheaper. Uh, here, she worked for a bit. Um, she kept in contact with her family and boyfriend back home, kind of lived a, a normal abroad life and kind of doing her thing. She did this for about six months. She had firmly established her feet in Japan and was living her day to day, you know, going to work, having her weekends. Um, and was really busy with her teaching and took up a lot of her time. It was a Monday to Friday job, I believe. One day after work, she was heading home. After getting back to Chiba Station, she collected her bike from the lockup at the front. While she was unlocking her bike, a man approached her from behind. When she turned around, the man greeted her by saying, You are my English teacher. Lindsay had never met this dude in her entire life, so already this is sus as fuck. Yeah, she's like, um... I don't know you. I don't know who the fuck you are, homeboy. Yeah. She was definitely not one of his students. Let's just say that. She declined to answer and have a conversation with him and hopped on a bike and rode off. As she was riding off, she noticed that the man kept on following her, walking a slow pace behind her. So she picked up the pace. So did he. She started pushing a bit harder. He started jogging behind her. Mm. 
She started kicking really hard, picking up the pace. Soon that jog turned into a full sprint. Now, the roads in Chiba are very busy and it was it's, it's difficult for someone on a bike to make their way around all the people in the cars. So, he was kind of easily pursuing her and it was hard for her to escape him. Eventually, um, so he, he kept on pursuing her and he was asking questions like, where are you from? You know, really not uh, things you should be shouting out from behind someone as you're chasing their bike. Eventually, she reaches her apartment and she stops her bike. The man catches up with her and introduces himself as Tatsuya Ichihashi. While When he eventually did catch up with her, he gave her a proposal. He asked her if he would be if she would be interested in providing him with English lessons. He had been interested in the language and had studied a little bit, but had a lot of issues with the language itself. Mm-mm. She politely declined um, after he offered that he they would meet up in a cafe and she could teach him and he would pay her generously. She was already very busy with Nova and simply did not have the time available to take on a new student. Also, this guy is a fucking creep. So yeah, she's like, please go do away. not talk to me. Uh, Tatsuya was disappointed, but he seemed to accept her answer and proceeded to ask her if he could possibly come in for a glass of water because he was thirsty from no. running after her. Absolutely not. Now, Lindsay was hesitant, but reluctantly Aww. decided to let him in. Baby, no. In her defense and in her mind... She had two housemates with her that were in the house at the time. They were inside, and so should anything happen, they could properly identify him as a suspect. Also, it would it was showing him that he she was constantly with company at all times. So it was kind of like a, you know, if you want to fuck with me, mm. there's people here, so you can't do that. Uh, which I get uh, the idea, but still... Probably shouldn't have let him in. Uh, inside the apartment, Lindsay offered Tatsuya a drink. While uh, having his drink, Tatsuya made the offer again. This time, he offered Lindsay three thirty-five hundred yen per hour, which is roughly around thirty-two dollars an hour. With the interaction being strictly educational. Now, although Noah Nova was her primary source of income in Tokyo, she could definitely do with the extra cash, so she accepted, and they decided on a meeting place in a coffee shop a few days later. Tatsuya thanks, uh, thanked Lindsay for her uh, accepting her offer, his offer, but before he left her apartment, of course, because every single fucking creep bag needs to do something before leaving, um, he decided to give her a gift. He pulled a pen out of his back pocket and grabbed a piece of scrap paper. He began to scribble something on the paper for a little while, eventually handing her the finished note. It was a sketch he had just drawn of Lindsay with his name, phone number, and email attached. And um, you can't see this, but Laura can see this. This is the sketch right here. Now... I mean, it's not bad. No. If I had just chased you down the street uh, while you were on your bike, asking you to teach me lessons about a language I didn't know, and I... You were, I was welcome in your house, and before saying goodbye, I drew a fucking drawing of you. I mean, look, I mean, I'm a, I'm a call myself out here and be completely honest and say, back when I was single, it would have been totally dependent on how attractive you were. Gotcha. gotcha. And that's a reflection on how dumb I was. That's called dumb white bitch syndrome. Basically, yeah. I was a dumb white bitch. I yeah. still am. 
Um, but I do think a lot of the time that's how a lot of these serial killers, like the charismatic ones, like the Ted Bundys. They're very charming. It's, yeah. But it's a, like humans are psychologically at a level drawn to more attractive things. So if you perceive someone as aesthetically attractive, yeah. you're far more likely to trust them. I guess he wasn't he wasn't necessarily unattractive. I haven't seen his photos. Right. So. Well, you're going to see his photos. Okay. Um, Tatsuya thanked Lindsay for her time and a glass of water and soon after he left the house. Now, Tatsuya Ichihashi was a 20-year-old man from the city of Ichikawa. He was born in Gifu on the 5th of January, 1979. He grew up in Gifu, but eventually uh, moved to Chiba. He was born in uh, to a successful family. His father was a medical doctor at a local hospital, and his mother was a professional dentist. Growing up, Tatsuya wanted to follow in his father's footsteps and get into the medical field, becoming a medical doctor himself. However... He failed his exams and was denied an advance into his studies, so he sought after a different degree from the Department of Horticulture, which is growing food, uh, growing plants for consumption or yeah. whatever you want to use it for. Um, I did a little bit of a dive into it. I'm not going to say I did much of research into it because it is a word I don't understand. Uh, he graduated from Chiba University in 2005. Although he passed his degree relatively well, he didn't make much of an effort to find work soon after. Instead, he lived on an allowance of 100,000 yen, or about $920 a month from his parents. A month? Yeah. Fuck. Crazy. And this is like in Chiba, so kind of like the inner, sort of like, you know how Melbourne's kind of like a U-shape? Yeah. Sort of like if Melbourne was on one side and you were on the other side of the, right. of the water, okay. basically. A good distance away. Um, but like a 20-minute train, I think. Right. Oh, it's not too bad. <clears throat> um, so living on that allowance, he had no pro- no previous convictions with the law. However, he had been the subject of an allegation of prior theft and injury. Supposedly, he had assaulted a woman on the street during a robbery, though the matter was settled outside of court. Rumor has it that his father paid the woman off with around 100, with around 1 million yen or $10,000. Just a little interesting mm. tidbit. He was described as a loner with an obsession of physical fitness. He regularly attended his local gym where he would cycle over 25 kilometers every day. It seemed that Tatsuya was rather inclusive and he had zero intention of finding any work. Now, several days after their weird encounter, on Saturday the 24th of March 2007, Lindsay had contacted Tatsuya uh, a couple days prior and they had arranged for their first English lesson in a local coffee shop. CCTV footage captured them talking to each other while waiting in the queue for their drinks and she seemed relatively relaxed in the footage, but every time he would get a bit too close to her, he would she would take a few steps back and kind of put some distance between them. Mm. They sat down and talked for a while, maybe over an hour, all seeming well. And at the end of their lesson, Tatsuya awkwardly pointed out that he had forgotten his money. He told her that he only lived half a mile down the road and oh. that she should come by and grab no. her money and be on her way. No, no, Yeah, no, this no, is no, not no, looking no. good. Lindsay agreed and they hopped into a taxi together and were off. Now, Lindsay had not brought her bike with her that day and she also had work in the afternoon, so... Um, when she when they arrived at Tatsuya's place, she asked the taxi driver if he wouldn't mind waiting there for a bit because she's going to run in and come right back. Only she doesn't. 
He agrees. So Lindsay follows Tatsuya into his apartment. Several minutes later, Lindsay has still not returned. The driver thought it was odd, but deduced that maybe she just changed her mind. Maybe this is her boyfriend's place and she's just not coming out. Mm. So after waiting for a few more moments, he drives off and a few days later, it's completely left his mind. That afternoon, Lindsay failed to show up for work. Her roommates also noted that she hadn't even returned to the apartment later on either. They called the police that night and reported her missing, as good friends would. However, days go by and nothing turns up. Her friends back home and her family start to grow worried about her lack of communication as they would keep in constant communication through Skype, text, calls, Facebook. Uh, And it wasn't until Monday of the next week when she missed yet another day of work that they started to panic. The school had contacted her parents to let them know that she had now missed two days in a row and soon after they contacted the police in Japan. It was there where police started treating Lindsay's disappearance a bit more seriously. Police searched Lindsay's home and interviewed her housemates. Luckily, they had a suspect of mine already, the weird man who followed her home and requested the English lessons from her. Mm. And, to boot, um, they knew that Lindsay went off to go see a man at a coffee shop shortly before she disappeared, and the sketch that he made was still back at the apartment. Okay. So they had his name, his phone number, and his email address. All right. That's a good start. It's a good start. It's a very good start. So around 5.40 p.m. that day, police located Tatsu's home, and they were dispatched to the house, and after knocking several times at the door, no one was answering. The neighbors were home, however, and they allowed police to use their balconies to peer into Tatsu's apartment. There were no lights on inside. However, it did seem like there was someone lurking around inside. They also noticed on Tatsuya's balcony, he had a detachable bathtub, which is a thing in Japan, don't question it, had been removed from the bathtub and was taken outside to the balcony. It's a little tub, a little bathtub. Um, The two officers had a really bad feeling of unease. So they called for backup. They thought that... um, the thought was there may have been a chance that Lindsay was inside being held hostage, so they thought maybe they would need some more backup. Yeah. Within the hour, several other officers arrive, and three hours now later, with nine officers, they were beginning to launch a raid into Tatsuya's apartment. As he comes out of the apartment, they notice that he's wearing a rucksack with no shoes on. Uh, as... He's leaving in the split moment that he's coming out of the apartment. He storms past the police. The officers attempt to grab him, but they only manage to obtain his rucksack. With the knowledge of his building far better than that of the officers, Tatsuya manages to escape from police. They also lacked any radio equipment. So, I mean, they couldn't communicate with each other, couldn't communicate back. They lost him while he escaped into Tokyo City, essentially. Police attempted to search for Tatsuya while, uh, but they were unsuccessful. They later went back to the apartment to investigate his apartment. They found the detachable bathtub from before and it was filled with dirt. Buried underneath was the naked body of Lindsay Hawker. The tub had been filled with a mixture of sand and soil, almost completely covering Lindsay with just her right hand emerging from the soil. The soil mixture was... uh, was, um, also contained a decomposing agent to help speed up the process of the Lindsay's body decomposing. And there were sour uh, flower seeds planted on top in an attempt to disguise the bathtub as a flower bed. 
also the seeds would eventually be feeding off of Lindsay's body. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, so it's fucking brutal. She'd been bound and gagged with plastic tires and scarves. She had bruises covering her upper body. And before she was murdered, she'd been bound and raped for nearly an hour. Her uh, possessions were still scattered across the room. And police noticed that Tatsuya had actually shaved all of her hair off of her head. Jesus. As well, they managed to find several wigs within his apartment. Now, news broke of the murder. And soon after, there were many, a plethora of rumors going around about Tatsuya, that he had murdered her uh, to steal her hair as a wig. Um, he was a drag queen. He was this. It, it's, it's fucking all over the place. Mm. Come the next morning, Tatsuya was officially a wanted man. His face was posted all across Japan, and they had his wanted posters all throughout the city in Tokyo, and his face was shown on various news programs. Despite all their efforts, though, Tatsuya completely escapes them. He's nowhere to be found, and no, no one is anywhere near finding him. On the few tips of sightings they got uh, that were reported to police, not, none of them led anywhere. They were all dead ends. Police were so desperate to find Tatsu that they released Photoshop images of what he would be, what he would look like if he was wearing a wig to, in, to use to disguise his appearance because mm. he had the wigs in his apartment. And just showing you, Laura, mm. that's. What they kind of yeah presented. okay he looks creepy as fuck very I would creepy never yeah have let him inside my house yeah Stacia uh, successfully evades police for weeks leading into months leading into even years far out her uh, Lindsay's family are obviously upset not only with the pain and suffering of losing their daughter but the idea that the killer had effectively gotten away with her murder her parents in particular, were upset about the uh, with the Japanese police, as they believed they were not trying to find Tatsuya to the best of their abilities and, in fact, were growing lazy with their investigation. Six months after her death, Lindsay's parents fly to Japan and single-handedly begin to raise awareness for finding Lindsay's killer. Now, her parents are fucking badasses. Love They're that. doing everything they can to put the police on blast, to... Um, implore the public to help find the killer her father bill even meets up with members of the yakuza the japanese mafia and gives them two bottles of whiskey as a present and asks for their help fucking badass fucking love this guy he's amazing as time goes on the japanese police find themselves being held on a microscope questions begin to arise such as how is it that nine police officers let one man escape uh, why did it take them a month to interview vital witnesses? Were they aware that their wanted post that they had been posting everywhere was seven years out of date? Jesus. Yeah. The photo was seven years out of date. Tensions grew between the Japanese police and the Hawkers family, and soon enough, the British and Japanese media were also involved in the tension as and well. the British media is brutal. full on. Oh, yes. They were putting... They were putting the entire Japanese police on blast. Uh, During all of this, Tatsu was still on the run, traveling throughout most of Japan, ranging from Omori, one of Japan's northernmost cities, to Okinawa, which is an island south of Japan. At times, Tatsu even fled to the remote island of Oha in a concrete bunker. Throughout 2008 to 2009, Tatsu found himself living in Osaka, Osaka is a large port city around 400 kilometers west of Tokyo. Tatsuya lived in internet cafes and worked in various construction sites to get by. 
He was saving up enough money for plastic surgery in an attempt to change his appearance and avoid being caught by the law. Now here's the gruesome th- part. Before he had the money saved up for plastic surgery, he had actually attempted to change his own appearance by mutilating himself. Oh, Jesus. He cut off several of his moles, used scissors to cut off parts of his lower lip, and even sew so, so a thread through his nose to alter its shape. By 2009, police were beyond desperate to find Tatsuya. The National Police Agency raised the cash reward for information leading to his arrest from 100, 1 million yen to 10 million yen. Jeez. They also placed out a statement that it was believed Tatsuya had undergone plastic surgery to alter his appearance and that people would soon be on the lookout for his special identifications. Interestingly enough, this actually works. In 2009 of October, October 2009, I, that was a weird way to say that, uh, a plastic surgeon located in Nagoya informed police that he believed he had just performed on a man he believes to be Tatsuya. Tatsuya had uh, accepted to taking a before and after picture for his operation, which, let me just say, if you're on the run... Probably not the best idea. Dumb fucking move, mate. You really fucked up there. The very same photos would then go on to be shared with police and long before they were spread all over the world. Mm. And these are the photos. This is before and this is after. Right. So you can clearly see a, like there's similarities there, but he, a lot of work has been done on him. Oh, yeah. There's actually like quite a big difference between the before and after. Yeah. So imagine being this fucking dumbass, saving up all this money and going through all that surgery, having everyone in the world not only know what you used to look like but what you currently look like now i just think it's hilarious the the thing that i find the best about this entire story is that the plastic surgeon was like i think this guy's a murderer but i'm still gonna take his money yes <laughs> he's like let me do the job for you take your money and and then i'll tell the police yeah. but so basically he's like allows police to update their image mm. so he's, he's a fucking moron one of his colleagues on a construction site back in Osaka instantly recognizes him and reports him to the police. Tatsu knew he had to get the fuck out of there, so he planned to make a beeline back to one of the abandoned islands of Okinawa. On the 10th of November 2009, he fled to Osaka's ferry port. After spending three days keeping his head low on a ferry to Okinawa, he knew he would be in a much safer position. However, before he even reached the boat, a worker at the ferry port had recognized Tatsu and informed security. His suspicions were, of course, right, and moments later, Tatsuya found himself confronted by several officers. They asked him for his name, and him knowing his time was up, he fully confessed the fact that he was Tatsuya Ichihashi. He was then formally arrested by police, originally being charged with abandoning a body, but later on he would be served with two more warrants for rape and murder. On the 4th of July, 2011, his trial begins. Deliberation, of course, does not take very long because they have a plethora of... Uh, they have, they know he did it, essentially. It's, well, yeah, he ran away and tried to get plastic surgery. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, a fucking, uh, someone who's not guilty does not do that. Uh, although Japan does endorse the death penalty, not a, longest, not a lot of single-person murderers experience it. Yeah. Um, however, 
because Tati was in the news and the media quite a bit along with his crimes, many people supported the idea of, his, of the death penalty, including Lindsay's family. Mm. During his trial, Tatia admitted to enticing Lindsay into his apartment, raping her and strangulating her to stop her from screaming and alerting the neighbors. And on the 21st of July, 2011, nearly four and a half years after the murder, Tatsu Ichihashi was officially sentenced to life imprisonment for the murder of Lindsay Hawker. Far out. Yeah. A little interesting um, trivia. Shortly before the trial, Tatsu Ichihashi had authored and published a book confessing to Lindsay's murder. Oh, okay. Most of the book describes his two and a half years on the run and what he had to do to avoid uh, detection. The book is titled Until I Was Arrested... Uh, and he even offered all, all of the royalties and profits going towards Lindsay's family. Over 100,000 uh, copies have sold all over the world. Jeez. Lindsay's family, of course, rejected the offer because fuck off, as if. I mean, I'd want the money. Yeah, but like not from anything your daughter's murderer has but made. But like where's, it, where's the money going to go otherwise, just to him? It won't. I don't think it goes oh, to Oh, Okay. I I I don't I he can't he can't earn money he's in jail. I, I doesn't know, go I to don't him. know the rules. I've never been in jail before. I don't know how it Fair works. Enough. Yeah. But that is the story of Tatsu Ichihashi and the story of Lindsay Hawker. Lindsay Hawker was a very smart and gifted woman. She achieved very highly in her grades at school and university and had a real life going for her and it's unfortunate that that life was taken away from her. Um, she leaves behind her two sisters, uh, her mother and father, and the boyfriend she had, unfortunately. That's so sad. Yeah. And it just goes into me enforcing the idea of, like, it doesn't matter if you come across as rude. Like, yeah. Like, be rude and apologize later. Yeah, this was I mean? also because... during um, 2008 Oh, I know. Like... I'm, I'm just saying, like, I'm saying, like, if someone makes you uncomfortable, like, do the rude thing and yeah. say, like, no, I'm not going to go to your house. No, you can't come inside. No, you can't have water. Generally speaking, if someone makes you uncomfortable, there's a reason for that. But I feel like if someone accidentally makes you uncomfortable and then it turns out that they didn't have bad intentions, it's much better they to ask for care. Yeah, it's much better to ask for forgiveness later than have remorse in the moment yeah. kind of thing. Like, just... Especially for the ladies listening, like, you know, do the rude thing and yeah. ask for forgiveness later because it's not worth you being pressured into society, like societal niceties yeah. and then ending up, you know, getting assaulted because of it. Like, yeah, exactly. But yeah, that's the story. That's it. That was sad. Yeah. I didn't like that one. I mean, I don't like any of them. No, but- none, of them are, none of them are good. But the yeah the the mutilation is a it's a is a really interesting step that he did to avoid detection. Yeah, that's um taking scissors to your own lip. That's full yeah. on. That's that's very full on. Yeah, messed up. Really messed up. Woof. All right, Two well, good ones. this is sort of the end of the show. Um, if you don't like where podcasts kind of go on for a bit and have a general discussion. Now is the time to leave the podcast because we're going to be sort of talking about... Talking shit. We're going to be talking shit. This is the part of the show where everything disintegrates. So if you are someone who just tunes in for the stories, thank you again for listening and we'll catch you next week. If you're someone who sticks around for the absolute 
shit fight at the end, welcome. Welcome. Hello. How are you doing? Great. How are you doing? I we actually care. had, I think, three people message us this week to say that they are Sagittarians. Oh, really? So, hello to our Sagittarian listeners. Wow. Sagittarius? Sagittarian. I don't know. I would say Sagittarian sounds, sounds right, but it also kind of sounds like vegetarian. Sagittarianese. Sagittarianesis. <laughs> yeah, Sagittarianese. Shall we talk about right. the fact that we tried to do Dry July and we lasted seven days? Yeah, like I had a really bad day and I was like, no, nah, not doing it. But also, it felt really so. We decided <laughs> we were going to do Dry July. We've now trimmed that slightly to say we're still going to do Dry July, but not on weekends or podcast night. Yeah. (laughs) It's just, it's too much. But to be fair, I only had one glass of wine. Normally I have multiple. Yeah. It's only one. I think when it comes down to it, it's sort of like, it's all about, you know, condensing it down to a healthy amount. Everything in moderation, Duration. Um, except heroin. Shout out to everyone who get, who sent us in the code, the word, code word, of course. Um, and big shout out to Josh McDonald for sending in um, a very interesting case that may one day be featured on the podcast. Ooh. Um, so thank you very much, Josh, for that. Oh, yeah, that's the other thing. If you ever have case suggestions. Yes, we do accept them. Um, sometimes ones you do suggest, we look them up and there's not a, not lot, a lot of, of content. Because um, that's the other thing that I think people don't realize when it comes to podcasts is it's one thing to have a really interesting story, but yeah. you need to have something that has enough information to be able to be picked from various sources f- from the internet yeah, to make exactly. up, you know, at minimum a sort of 10, 15 minute yeah. Talk, which is a surprising amount of information. Like It's a lot, yeah. Like just um, my part alone was like maybe 30 minutes and that was like five pages of notes. Yeah, mine was three and a half pages of yeah, notes so on Word. Already, if, you, if it's one page of notes, it's, it's just It's not enough. It takes like enough, yeah. three minutes to read it and then it's not very exciting for Maybe we'll do like a little a short bits episode maybe one day. Maybe we should actually yeah. and cover like two or three different... <laughs> stories well how about how about this you guys send in your suggestions and we'll do if they're shorter ones we'll make a list of short stories we'll do a fan episode or or requests from the fans yeah and it's all just little small stories that we'll sort of get through shout you out if you suggested it um and yeah that sounds fun we should do that we should i like that idea (coughs) i like that idea a lot yeah we should definitely do that send that in if you guys have that um the code word, do you want to pick the code word for this week? Because I, mm. I picked the last one. Jeffrey Bezos. Jeffrey Bezos. Okay. The code word is Jeffrey Bezos. Or just Bezos. Or Bezos. Or Amazon. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Any, any, any of the Any, above. yeah, relating word. <laughs> Jeffrey Bezos. I'm just, my, I have no thoughts. It's just lyrics from Burden Inside. Yeah. yeah. It's a very interesting um, special it was honestly, I felt a little uncomfortable towards the end, like genuinely uncomfortable. It's like you're watching someone have a mental Legitimately, collapse. Real like, life, yeah. Towards the end, I was like, I like it was funny at the start, like haha, joking about depression, haha. I'm a millennial, I have mental health issues. Yeah. He, and then got to the end, I was like, oh, oh um, shit. I don't know if he's okay. Like, what do we do about this? Yeah. 
yeah, if it got weird towards the end. Um, but would still like rate it absolutely ten out of ten. Yeah, the 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 quality of the special because of, like him the, filming it himself just is amazing. The creativity that went into so many of the little bits. Yeah. Of the fact that he managed to make it so interesting, like a hour long special. Yeah, I can I can tell you as a, as a videography as a videographer, just the sheer amount of like so like there's a couple skits where he's like moving the mic around the room Mm. just that alone setting up the frames and then like doing another take of the song is fucking agony yeah it is so much work goes into it you're also you're throwing in moving lights around configuring the best yeah and in one of the songs he was like controlling the lights with his feet he had like little feet yeah. Just even practicing. I guess you'd practice it a lot before you film. There was it. one where he had a light bar and he was holding it behind his back, into his back, and then he would kind of quickly swish it out. Yeah. And add this little flare effect. Really uh, amazing. So and much creativity. Really has made me sort of rethink things I want to do with um, my work. Um, mm. Really cool. A really inspiring thing for me, I must say. No, it was very cool. But yeah, yeah I did feel a little bit uncomfortable yeah. towards the end. It's yeah. kind of like, um, I don't... Do more like for I'm... me mentally. Yeah. Uh, Dance monkey. Damaged person, yeah. Well, I guess for him, that was probably like the thing. I can't imagine being locked down on my own. Oh, yeah, yeah. But like, also just like working... Have you, like those, having those projects like that where like it takes a long time to make even the smallest footage a thing. Mm on top of like making a song and all that kind of stuff, like being locking yourself up just in itself and making a project like that is, is maddening. I can't even imagine being by yourself and yeah, it would very much erode at your mental state. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but while Bo Burnham was doing that, we started a podcast. So that's true. So what does that say about us? Yeah. About murder nonetheless. Yeah, exactly. I wonder how many podcasts were born from lockdown and how many are still going. I don't know. It's a good question because it almost ruined us coming out of isolation. It did. It was very difficult to adjust. Yeah. I can't imagine if we didn't have sort of the the cult following we have now, mm. you know, would we still do it? I don't know. Like, I really enjoy sitting down and actually the thing with this podcast that gets me that I guess if you were just to do a generally like a general shit talk yeah. one is the the hours of like typing out notes and research that has to you yeah. have to do before you actually get to this point of sitting down. Like the sitting down and the recording is the easy part. It's so easy. Like it just we comes. both work in or we're trying to work in the entertainment industry. So yeah. neither of us are remotely uncomfortable with like sitting down and, and talking and like yeah. we both fucking love the sound of our own voices. Oh, like yeah. Tom oh, wants yeah. to be a musician, I want to be an actress. Like yeah. I don't have any issue talking. Yeah, I think every word vain. that comes out of my mouth is hilarious. Of course <laughs> the internet wants to hear me talk. Yeah. <laughs> it's the actual research that goes into it. Like you can't you have to factor in at minimum like for a shorter case like this one, at minimum, that was still three hours probably combined of sitting down, yeah. which doesn't sound like a lot, but when you work full time. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
<clears throat> when you already don't have enough time to do shit. No, we're not complaining, but no. um, I do understand why, if especially for like a true crime podcast. That yeah, if there's a lot had of moving parts it to in it. lockdown. Yeah, yeah. That you maybe would have yeah abandoned it. On another podcast note, um, myself and a friend are starting another podcast, which we're currently trying to figure out the logistics of. Yep. Uh, so it's going to be a uh, horror genre, like movie, TV show podcast because my friend uh, did a degree in, I don't actually know what the degree was called, but like in cinematography, film. film uh, and I just love horror movies. So we're going to be starting that. Keep you posted if you are a cinemaphile, someone mm-hmm. who loves movies. Uh, that'll be coming out, I want to say, the next couple of weeks. Maybe a month. Uh, don't know. Keep Who it knows? No one knows. Who knows? We try not to put everything we do is disorganized chaos. I mean, organized chaos. Disorganized chaos. That's just chaos. That's just chaos. Yeah. Um, organized chaos. So, like, we know what's happening, and we know like it's gonna happen. But like, ask me to give you a date, and I. It's not gonna happen. It's not gonna yeah. happen. You know, it'll sort of happen as we keep going, but for it'll now, happen. Yeah. It'll happen. For now, we're just horribly... For now, I'm just impatiently waiting on my fucking ASOS order. Yeah, that's taken a while to get It get has. Here. I ordered it on Isn't the 22nd it? of June. Mm. Just, I just want my clothes. I just want my clothes. What else? Romanticize your life, people. That's all I have to say. What does that mean? I'm a big fan of like romanticizing your own life. I was in the midst of doing that, and then it's really hard to romanticize your life when you can't leave. Uh, right. Gotcha. And you can't go outside the house. How am I supposed to pretend I'm the main character <laughs> of an indie film if I can't leave my room? I'm supposed to walk to my main soundtrack down the road now. When oh, I, I do that. You know I'm a big fan of I know. Spotify playlists. Yeah, I know you do. Yeah. And I actually have a playlist. Uh, it's called Hot Girl Walk, <laughs> and it's all... <laughs> tracks that make Ugh. me feel like a badass bitch yeah and Rashida i Jones put it on through school and i go for a little walk around the neighborhood and it's actually a thing i learned off tiktok and it sounds ridiculous but i swear it actually genuinely makes me feel great is it's the concept is is you i mean you obviously have your phone on you because you play music yeah but you have a playlist that you set of songs that make you feel good about yourself, like kind of vibe you up Mm -hmm. and you just like walk around the neighborhood with no aim. And the point of the walk is literally just to spend the entire walk thinking how great you are. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it sounds vain, but there's genuine like psychological value to it. But I also feel like women, like men as well, but women for the most part are just told that if you think you're attractive, it's vain. And I'm like, like, I am the only character in my own life. Yeah, like, you should be happy with who you are. You should be the main character in your own yeah. life. Like, as vain as it sounds, like, it's ridiculous for you to not think that you're amazing because you are the only you. Like, yeah. that's all you've got. Yeah, exactly. You should value yourself because at the end of the day, all you have is you. You are you. And when that's time is up, that's that's it. So, yeah, I'm a fucking walk around the neighborhood yeah. and think I'm hot shit for 45 minutes. Like, what yeah. of it? There's a clear distinction between, you know, loving yourself and narcissism. Like, yeah. You should love yourself. We should. Yeah. I wish that all people would realize that 
even if you don't feel like you are, you you you're the main character in your own life. Yeah. Like, don't let anyone convince you otherwise. Yeah. This just turned into like the Dr. Phil show. Sorry yeah, this is that. now our psychology section where we start to tell you how to live your lives and how to be happy after telling stories of how people got gruesome I don't know. I honestly murdered. feel like as I edge closer and closer to 30, I'm just getting so over like my mid-20 uh, self-conscious, yeah. I hate myself bullshit. I'm yeah. like, dude... You grow only, up. You've only got well, grow up, but like you've only yeah. got you. Like, yeah, you're never gonna dram- like magically be a different person or look like a different person overnight. So fucking deal with your shit. Yeah, and learn to love it because it's all you've got. Like, start eating greens and drinking water. Why aren't you, know you drinking what? water? I'm probably never gonna look like. I don't know who's someone who's a really hot celebrity. Laura Brittler, Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like, I'm I'm never going to look like a Victoria's Secret supermodel. I'm never going to be that skinny. I'm never going to be that tall. But you don't. But like, have I don't to have be. to be. Yeah. Like, just learn to, like, love my own shit the way yeah. I am because that's all I got. I think the the convention of attractive, a bit like uh, what is conventionally attractive is subjective. But also, if I can give you one piece of advice it's get a gua sha stone because they're oh yeah those things are great yeah i feel like it's really genuinely made a massive difference in the shape of my face yeah i um, am because you never know like what the purpose is or what it actually does but when you actually research what it does it's like oh it actually makes a lot of sense yeah it's it's basically like just working the muscles yeah pushing liquid sort of out of the way yeah fluids like you think when you look at it and you you hear people talk about it they're like oh it's just got charging energy that kind of just like pushes like shut the fuck up it's just it's a it's a thing that kind of just works your muscles in a way that you Mm. don't normally have a way to do physically pushes yeah fluid out of your yeah there's a lot more to it than just fucking but yeah get a gua sha stone i'm pretty sure they have them at kmart yeah Uh, or go to your local crystal store and yeah, get, get a one. crystal one. Support your local businesses. It, set it with your intentions. Yeah. But if you're not into all that stuff, just get one from Kmart. Yeah. Because <laughs> they're also at Kmart. Uh, we did the code word. We yeah. talked a lot of shit. I'm Danny Finito. I'm good. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> that. I'm Danny Finito. Yeah, I'm done. I'm finished. I'm good. I got nothing else to add. I've never heard that before. Well, now you have. Did you just make that up? I did just that make thing? that up. Yeah. No, I just made that up. Can we make that? I'm going to trademark that. BSC podcast listeners, let's... let's trademark It's Danny like Finito. Gretchen Wieners with Fetch, but we're actually going to make it happen. Yeah. Stop trying to make Danny Finito happen. Danny it's Finito. never going to happen. Uh, I'm going to make that a meme on Please Instagram. Do. And the title will be like, if you know, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this, only is, for the, this is for the like, real ones. The three people that yeah. stick around for the shit at the it's end. for Briny, Josh, and like the other 13 no, people. No, I actually think weird amount of people that actually listen all and enjoy yeah look this. i'm i'm the same i can't not I, like i don't understand that you listen to like 40 minutes of a podcast and you can't listen to the rest of the 10 minutes i guess if the hosts aren't particularly like but we're fly as fuck bitch so up myself if the hosts aren't very charismatic <laughs> like why would you i feel like we're pretty charismatic but again i already said it i think every word that comes out of my mouth fuck is it. hilarious That's yeah. why we started podcast. exactly yeah that's the kind of people we are. I do say the show has well and truly cured me of my hatred of the sound of my own voice played back to me. Yeah, well, we don't we don't have um, headphones on when we record. We we just record right into the mic. But I as do well. occasionally like 
listen to them to just the to make sure the audio gotcha. quality is, is all G. Yeah. But uh, I feel like I used to really hate the sound of my own voice, but now I've come to love my little vocal fry. Yeah. It's just part of who I am. It's a good voice. You should be proud of it. Thanks. A lot of people apparently are really annoyed by vocal fry. I think those people are dumb and need to stop. I'm just they need not... To, can I just... They need to grow up. <laughs> I'm just not like, a hyper person. I could get rid of it if I talked But, like, imagine being like, faster. I can't listen to a podcast because the host has vocal fry. Like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. No one, no one asked you, Samantha. Apparently, some people think it makes you sound unintelligent. Well, you're unintelligent for thinking that because that's, that's not a real fucking thing, I feel like you we've dumbass. Had this conversation we have, yeah. We, I think we have. Um, I can't drink milk <laughs> if it's slightly off-white. Has to be pure. Has white. to be pure white. <laughs> Pantone, pure. Hold up, white. that hue. Put that in Photoshop. I'm that sorry, is not white. That is eggshell white. <laughs> How the? That, it's the same thing. It is not the same thing. It's two shades different. Well, bitch, technically white and black are a shade, not a color. So yeah. So shut up, God. You're. What? You, I don't know. I got a lot of pent up anger for like things like this. Oh dear. But, yeah. uh, Let me know if you yeah, think people who you, hate vocal fry need to grow the fuck. Let up. me know if you like my vocal fry because my ego needs stroking. Yeah. Stroke uh, our egos, I please. could get rid of it if I talked really fast and like up here and do my customer service voice, then I get rid of my vocal fry. Yeah. Oh no, it's still there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just who I am. I'm yeah. just a very deadpan person. We're unapologetically ourselves. I do feel like my customer service voice at work has much less. Depends who you're customer servicing. If you're just, if it, you're... I feel like the more they annoy me, the more it disintegrates. Oh, it into, becomes. It, like, it starts up here. Hi, welcome. How can I help you? Yeah, I can certainly do that for you. And then as they annoy me more, I start to get more down here. And I'm what like. What the fuck do you want? I've already told you multiple times that we can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so goodbye. It's just pure fry at that point. But anyway, thanks so much for joining us for this episode. We really appreciate you. See, this is the speed at which I have to talk to not yeah. have vocal fry. And it's like my brain can't keep up with how fast these words are coming out of my mouth. Maybe like, the I people exist. Maybe the people who um, aren't nice to you on the phone are people who don't like vocal fry. Maybe. Maybe they're like this bitch with her Maybe. vocal fry. This is literally yeah. what I sound like on the phone to customers. If you've ever wondered, this is the octave that I'm at. Well, we're going to wrap up the show right now. We're just going to finish. Thank you so... This feels... Uh, no. You're weird. It. it feels so weird. I feel like I'm a, on a BuzzFeed video. I feel like video. I'm at work. <laughs> uh, thank you very much. Now I have just come to terms with how low my normal yeah. speaking voice is. Having an existential crisis. So really. Let me wrap this up. Thank you so much for joining us again. We are at the BSC podcast on all things social media. We are. Um, yeah, that's it for another week. Yeah, that's, Thanks for that's joining it. Us. Danny Finito. Let's. <laughs> me. That's, uh... Danny, that's where Danny Finito for another yeah, week. That's it. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.